Welcome to Hence the Future podcast. I'm Adam O'Cronin, and today we're discussing emergent marketing. Emergent marketing combines two of my favorite concepts, which are emergence or emergent phenomena and marketing, which is what I do for my day job via my marketing agency, Noble Growth. And you're probably familiar with the term emergent phenomena, but you might not have a concrete example in mind. So let me give you one. Life is an emergent phenomena. Why is there complex life in the universe? Why isn't it all just gray, uniform goo? The short answer is we don't know. We have no idea why life emerged in the universe. It just did. It just emerges from reality. And it emerges at multiple layers of reality. So you can think about the micro layer of fundamental particles and quarks. You can also go a little bit bigger to see cells and what's happening on the cellular level. All of the cells will then add up to organs in your body. The organs in your body add up to create you, which is the layer of emergence we're most familiar with, the individual. And then above the individual layer, you have the more macro layer where how do you fit into your family or into society? Or how does your society fit into the other societies on Earth? And how does all of human society fit into all of the Earthling world of planet Earth? And then how does that fit into the whole cosmos? And maybe there are even other universes that are somehow affected. But really, this concept of emergence is like a grand orchestral performance that has multiple instruments playing all in concert, and they're all connected to one another. And with any successful marketing campaign, what you're doing is you're tapping into this fundamental nature of emergence where you're allowing your business or product or service to emerge in the world and grow quite naturally by taking the path of least resistance and by working with the fundamental forces of nature. So that's what I'd like to discuss today. And there have been so many books written about marketing that get into the tactics and within a few years they're outdated. And technology is changing so quickly that I really want to give a philosophical view of how to market and how to grow your brand that will stand the test of times and that will be useful even 10, 20, 100 years from now. Let's get into it. Emergent marketing starts with you. It starts with understanding what your role is within this grand orchestral performance. And the first thing to realize is that you're more of a verb than a noun. So one thing you'll sometimes hear developers say is, I turn coffee into code. And that's literally true. They're literally sitting in front of their computer, drinking coffee, and by leveraging the sustenance and the caffeine that gives them energy from the coffee, they are outputting code. So when you think of yourself really as this process that the universe is manifesting, that can help you find the ideal way for you to fulfill what the universe already wants to emerge. So for instance, we typically talk about a flame, but really there isn't a one single flame. There's a flaming that's happening. There is this constant process of the lighter fluid being turned into fire by igniting the oxygen in the air, and then that oxygen is gone, and then there's new oxygen that comes up and is ignited by the flame. So really we should describe it as a flaming. Same thing with a whirlpool. You wouldn't describe a whirlpool as one static thing. It's always changing. Water is always going around in a slightly different way. So really, it's a whirlpooling. It's this emergent phenomena that is happening in the water. In the same thing, you can think of a peopling. The earth is just producing people 
as part of this natural process. So you yourself are one of the higher layers of this process where the sun shines down on the fields, the fields grow fresh coffee beans, that those coffee beans get ground up and they go into your coffee cup in the morning. And then you output whatever it is you do, whether that's YouTube videos or whether it's scientific research papers or whether it's, you know, funny cat memes, whatever it is, you are the universe manifesting a certain process at any given time. So how can you emerge and become the best version of yourself? And whether it's growing an idea, a business, a worthy cause, how can you allow that idea to grow to its fullest potential? Well, just like riding a bicycle, the easiest way to maintain balance is to keep moving. So you have to constantly be moving and fulfilling your verb-like nature in order to get to anywhere that's worth going. And to that end, there are three prerequisites in order to be ready to fully capitalize on emergent marketing. The first prerequisite is courage. The courage to try something, the courage to put something out there in the world, the courage to actually do something. And it's amazing how many people are terrified of trying something new or putting something out there into the world or actually saying what they actually believe. So if you can't get past that fear, it's almost impossible for you to emerge. And Naval Ravikant has this quote where he says, all the spoils in life go to the adventurous types. And it makes sense. If you're not willing to make calculated risks that have potentially huge upside returns, you're never going to get those huge upside returns. When you see the people that really change things, that really make a dent in the universe, these are people that went out on a limb and tried something before everyone else already knew it would work. The people that tend to win big are people like entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, inventors, creators, people who are willing to put themselves out there. So the first step in emergent marketing is to have courage. We only live once in this life. We may live more times. I'm, I'm not going to get into that. But as far as we know, all we have is the time we have here on Earth. So why not shoot for the fences? Why not take some big shots on goal? The worst that can happen is you file for bankruptcy. And even then, you can have multiple additional chances to make it big. So the first thing for emergent marketing is be courageous have courage, and be willing to try something before it's proven. The second prerequisite in emergent marketing is curiosity. The curiosity to always ask why. Why is this ad performing better than that ad? Why is this older age cohort performing better than the younger age cohort? Is it because the product is better suited to older people? Is it because my marketing imagery and messaging is more resonant with older people. Maybe the brand or the aesthetic of my design appeals more to older people. And why is this ad performing better for older people and that ad's performing better for younger people? Marketing is essentially asking these types of questions over and over and over again until you get a satisfying answer. And by getting that satisfying answer, you're able to find the magical mix that unlocks some breakthrough growth. So once you find the right image and message and targeting group for your ad campaign, you will watch your brand emerge quite naturally. But that's the hardest part is getting to that magical mix. And the only way to get there is by ceaselessly asking questions and ceaselessly being curious. Einstein famously said, I have no special talent. I am only passionately curious. 
And that really tells you all you need to know about the importance of curiosity. The final and third prerequisite for emergent marketing is authenticity. And nowadays, most people can sniff out an inauthentic ad campaign immediately. Sometimes on Twitter, you'll even see these accounts that have ridiculous names like Internet Hippo. And it's a signal to show, hey, I'm not some stodgy brand that's going to try to manipulate you. I'm just a regular person like you are making observations about the world. So what used to work in the past with the traditional brand messaging and being very disciplined and very authoritative in the way you message no longer works. You have to get across your messaging in a very casual, familiar, trust-building way. So when you're talking to your customers, when you're writing copy for your website or for your ads, you should write it in such a way that is just like how you would describe it to one of your closest friends over a beer. It shouldn't be some stilted way. You shouldn't try to put in too many buzzwords. You really need to come across as authentic and natural. And this is becoming more and more important in society. Part of the reason is that the attention economy is heating up meaning there is more and more competition over your attention at any given moment. You could be watching Netflix, you could be doing work, you could be scrolling through social media. There's a million things you could be doing at any given time. So one of the major filters people have developed is the authenticity filter. If something seems like BS, they don't even take a second look at it. And you can see this with presidential campaigns. I would argue that Every president in recent history won because they were perceived as being more authentic than their opponent. And the brands today, too, when you look at the brands that are most successful with their marketing and with their social media presence, it's because they come off as so authentic. Like the brand actually becomes personified and you feel like it's your good friend who's talking to you. That is so important with marketing in general, and it's only going to become more important over time. So let's say you've nailed these three prerequisites for emergent marketing. You have courage to try something and go out on a limb. You have ceaseless curiosity to always be asking questions. And you're an authentic person. So anything you create is going to be a natural extension of yourself and your nature. Now you're ready to really get into the philosophy of emergent marketing. And the philosophy can be summarized as taking the path of least resistance to grow your brand. So Alan Watts has this metaphor where he talks about how you want to be like water that's coming down from the mountains, where it puts out fingers in all different directions, and then whichever finger finds the least resistance, that's where the water will flow, and it'll flow down from the mountain in a very effortless way, in a very natural way. This is the same way you want to conduct your marketing. And recently I read a book called Secret Sauce from Austin Allred and Vincent Dignan on marketing. And it came out in, I think, 2018, and it was already so outdated. The tactics they talk about are already things that are just manual tasks that you no longer have to do. So for instance, they had one hack where for Google AdWords campaign, they would give you all these websites where you can generate dozens and dozens of keywords, and then you load them all up into Google, you test them systematically, and then you remove the ones that aren't profitable. A very manual heavy process. And I was amazed reading this book that's only a couple years old, and it was already so outdated because now Google has smart campaigns 
where all you have to do is put in a, a few high-level keyword themes, and then Google does all the rest. They will find the right keywords to add based on what people are searching, and they will match the right searches with your ad campaign when it's most likely to lead to a purchase. So I want to describe a philosophy that isn't going to become outdated in a few years. And so the biggest advice I could give as it relates to having a successful marketing campaign is twofold. One is really understanding what is the uniquely human value that you bring to the table. In other words, what is the last thing that machines will be able to automate as far as what you do as a marketer? And second, how can you leverage AI so that you're actually surfing this wave of technological progress and innovation to reach new horizons rather than being crushed by the wave of change and being essentially left in the dust. And obviously it's, it's impossible to know how good Facebook's AI or Google's AI will be 20 years from now and whether Facebook or Google will even exist 20 years from now, who knows? But what we can know is that AI is going to continue to get better and better and human beings are always going to be good at what human beings are best at. And that's not going to change because human nature isn't going to change in the next 20 years or even the next million years. So let's first start with the human aspect, what you bring to the table as a human marketer. I would say the core expertise you have as a human is understanding what humans want, understanding the why of human existence. So why does someone pay $50,000 a year for college when you could get most of the information online? Why does someone try to get a, quote, good job, even if they don't love it? Why does someone feel compelled to raise a family? Why do anything in life? Why not just sit in bed all day and never leave your room? These are all questions that you as a human are an expert at, even if you don't realize you're an expert at that yet. So understanding the whys that drive people is the most value you can bring to the table as the human part of the cybernetic collective. And normally the why will boil down to some fundamental human need that really gets at the root of cognition and fulfillment. So for instance, you might have the need to feel safe, secure, and protected. In that case, the Allstate logo with the hands that so caringly hold you and the tagline of you're in good hands would be a great way to get across and to fill that innate need to feel safe and protected. In a similar way, you might have the innate need to feel attractive to the other sex because that is deeply rooted in your desire to survive and procreate, like the selfish gene that Richard Dawkins talks about. In that sense, you might show an ad with, a, with an image of a woman's face where she looks very confident and beautiful and she has red lips and it's got L'Oreal's tagline that says, because you're worth it. Or you might feel the need to always be improving and always be leveling up and be a slightly better version of yourself today than you were yesterday. In that case, showing the Nike swoosh, which looks like a check mark, and having the just do it tagline can really activate your competitive spirit. That's why most of the A-B tests I'll run initially for a client are to figure out what's the most persuasive why. What are the real reasons that people want to buy this product? So you'll come up with some ideas of, I think it fulfills this human need or that human need. 
and then you create imagery and copy that portrays the value proposition of that need that's being fulfilled. So the why part is what's most important for you as a human marketer. The next most important part is the who and also the how. So who is this product for? And for that, I would think about the people you know in your own life, and that will help you come up with buyer personas. So even if you're not the type of person that this product is for, you probably know someone who's perfect for that product. Think about how the world looks through their eyes and through their lens, and that will help you get empathy for the customer so that you can really understand the innate human desires and who this product is for. The how is also important because while you've sold them on the why, this is the need that will be fulfilled, you have to describe how that will actually get fulfilled. How does your product do what it's promising it will do? So oftentimes a video, a how it works video will be really important for this stage. And then finally, the what. What is your actual value proposition? What's being offered? What's the price point? What's the return and shipping policy? What is the overall proposition that you're offering to me? And how closely does that align with the reality of the product once it actually arrives in my home and I open up the box? That also is important. So as a marketer, you should think about this in this level of hierarchy. The why that's most important, the how and the who are next most important, and then finally the what, the actual value proposition, is the next most important. So that's the human side at a very high level. Now let's talk about the AI side. How do you leverage AI so that you can really ride this wave of technological progress so that you benefit from all of these changes that are going on in technology and marketing rather than just be crushed by the weight of this wave of change and be totally left in the boneyards? The most important part with any AI system is setting up the value function. What is the AI optimizing toward? And it's interesting because in the past, it used to not be as effective to optimize for your real goal. So let's say your real goal is driving purchases on your website. You actually wanna sell your product. In the past, the AI systems weren't that good at optimizing toward that goal because they needed more data. So you were better off optimizing for maximum impressions or maximum link clicks or maximum website visits or maybe add to carts but it wasn't as effective to really optimize for your real goal which is purchases or subscribers or whatever that may be now as ai is getting better and better you are better off optimizing for what's called your north star metric which is the one metric you can't bullshit your way around the one metric that if that metric does well it means your whole business is doing well so a big part of the AI component is setting things up properly initially. So making sure you have pixel tracking or API tracking for whatever your final conversion is, and then setting that as the goal for your channel, whether that's Facebook, Google, Instagram, whatever it may be. And the other important thing with AI is really consider the process and the journey that the customer will go through from the first time they hear about your brand to when they actually do what you want, which is purchasing or subscribing or whatever it may be. So let's give an example to bring this to life. Let's say your company is a surfboard company and one day the customer is scrolling through their Instagram. They see this ad for this new surfboard. It purports to be the most versatile surfboard ever and that it will really help you level up your surfing abilities. 
And because you just moved to LA and you're someone who's been trying to improve their surfing skills, this catches your attention. And so you bookmark the post, but you're not ready to buy, so you just keep scrolling and that's pretty much all you do. Later that week, you then see a video that actually shows people on this surfboard having an amazing time doing some incredible cutbacks. And it also shows how the board is made so you can really see the quality of the materials in there. This time you might be curious enough to actually click and go to their website and see what the price is, what the descriptions are, what the reviews are. Maybe you even get as far as adding to cart, but because it's a little bit expensive, you don't buy right then. Then later that weekend, you might get retargeted with all of these different testimonials of people who have shared their own experiences of how much they love this surfboard. And maybe some testimonials are even from surfers you follow and respect. At this point, you may see that there's a special offering, maybe because you're a new customer, you get a 10% off and it ends soon. And so you feel, okay, now is the right time for me to make the purchase. And you go into the website and you purchase the product. You should have some sort of journey like this for whatever your product or service is. Even if it's you're a creator and you make YouTube videos, you should have a sense of what is the beginning and the end of the entire journey for someone who has never heard about you initially to where they're a diehard fan. What does that journey look like? And mapping that out and then allowing the AI to optimize for your end goal and having a prospecting campaign to drive awareness and a retargeting campaign to drive consideration and conversions, that is the most important thing for you to set up with the AI system after the objective function has also been set up. Another important thing to keep in mind is that there's often one killer feature or one unique element that will allow your product to really emerge and really have success. So I like to think of this as a wormhole where you can allow this idea to emerge rapidly and just fill this vast void. And when you think about, you know, for Netflix, that initial wormhole was delivering DVDs. And that really filled a need in the market, even if people didn't realize they had that need before, that allowed Netflix to grow into this massive company that it is today. For Tesla, it was having an electric car that was so high performance and so aesthetically awesome that it made environmental consciousness cool. For Snapchat, it was being able to send images and videos that disappeared so you didn't have to worry about, oh, is this image or video good enough for me to post on my feed? And there are any number of examples of these, but with any product, you should really think, what is the one killer feature that makes my product different and will allow it to emerge so that it really fills a real need? So for the surfboard example, it might be that it's super durable and everyone who's been breaking all their boards and spending money getting ding repairs and their fins fixed, now that they can rely on a board that will not break, that may be the killer thing that drives word of mouth awareness and really allows your ad campaigns to scale and be profitable. So only through curious testing, disciplined analysis and innate understanding of human nature will you be able to find this wormhole. But the great thing is that as long as you keep testing and keep optimizing and keep riding that bicycle to maintain your balance, you will eventually emerge. Now let's get into the future scenarios. Let's talk about the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. 
The worst case scenario is that you are paralyzed by fear, you don't trust your own instincts, and you constantly need validation from others. I see people fall into this trap all the time, and what you need to realize is that there are no adults in the room. Everyone is just trying to figure it out, just like you are. So don't feel like you have imposter syndrome, or that who are you to create some invention or really change something in the world. You have as much of an ability to make a change in the world as anyone else, and especially if you're able to tap into trends and forces that are already at play, you really can create something that emerges and makes a big difference in the universe. And of course, it's always good to seek advice from others, but at the end of the day, you have to decide how you want to live your life. The other mistake I see people make all the time is not being willing to try something new and being really afraid when they finally do try something new. So if you cut off an ad campaign right after you launched it because you're afraid and you're second-guessing it, or right after you launch some new app builds, you second-guess it and you want to keep developing before you've actually gotten learnings of how users are behaving, that is a mistake. You should always be willing to stick to your guns and have an unbiased approach, have a learning mindset. So even if you fail, you're still learning something valuable. So in the end, it's helping you to achieve your final goal. It's like Thomas Edison, after he failed hundreds of times trying to make a light bulb, when he was asked about his failure, he said, I haven't failed. I just found thousands of ways that it won't work. And so if you can take that approach and you always move forward and have balance, that's the best approach to emerge. Let's talk about the best case scenario. Best case scenario. The best case scenario for emergent marketing is what's called in the Zen practice, effortless doing, which is when your marketing efforts feel so natural that it feels completely effortless. When you're in a flow state, you see the data, you act immediately, you don't even really have to think about what to do. It just comes off so naturally. You're almost like a jujitsu master who really, when you think about a whirlpool, it's not frantic and anxious about, oh, what am I supposed to do? Should I be swirling in this direction or that direction? It just emerges as this natural phenomenon. So if you can try to be like that whirlpool and just work in an effortless way where you're tapping into what people want through the data and then you're putting out an improved version of your marketing campaigns based on those learnings, that is the best approach. And if you can also offload everything that's not uniquely valuable about your human nature and your human observations and you offload that to AI, then you'll be able to scale far beyond you were ever able to before or any human was able to before in history. It's so amazing how much you can do as one person nowadays. I mean, my marketing agency, I have some people I work with, but really it's just me. And I've got lots of clients that are having amazing success. And it's because I have set up a system that leverages all of this technology. So I just focus on what I'm really good at and the rest is all automated. A lot of the reports are automated. The optimizations are automated. So much is done by the Facebook and Google systems and, and all these other systems, Microsoft systems, that I can just focus on what's unique about me, which is understanding human behavior and creating a better value proposition that really does improve the world. One of the most exciting trends that's happening right now is this decentralization of work. So before coronavirus, 
it was all about these big companies where you had to come into the office and they had all these employees and you just do one set of tasks. So you're kind of this cog in a big machine. But now post COVID, everyone's working from home, which means they don't have someone looking over their shoulder all the time. They've got more bandwidth to do other stuff. And because technology is multiplying how much one person is able to do, when you multiply these effects about all these people that have more time and the technology is getting better and better, our ability collectively to change the world is getting greater than has ever been possible in the past. So when you think about the future and how much good we can create, how many interesting discoveries we can make, all the explorations we can do, whether it's through archaeology with the history of Earth or whether it's through space travel, there are so many possibilities when we consider what would happen if every person was able to emerge and really fulfill their full potential. Let's talk about the most likely scenario. Most likely scenario. The most likely scenario is that you will emerge if you follow this method. So as long as you're courageous to always try new things, you're curious where you're always asking that next question and you're authentically yourself and you tap into what you desire and what human beings desire at any given time, you will emerge. You will allow the universe to manifest some new creation that didn't exist in the past. Even if that creation is a relationship with someone or an idea that someone else turns into a book, there's no way of knowing how it will manifest exactly. But as long as you follow this method and like riding the bicycle, you keep moving and you keep trying new things and you have this learning mindset, you will create some incredible changes in the world. And, you know, of course, there will be times where you fall back into the mindset and the trap of being like a scared mouse where you're frantically running from point A to point B and you don't really have a systematic approach and you second guess yourself and you feel like an imposter. But as long as you allow those feelings to subside and you go back to the fundamentals, you will have success. It's just like the old saying that a fool who persists in his folly will eventually become wise. As long as you stay curious and keep moving and keep testing new things, you will emerge to fill the void that can only be filled by you and your vision for reality. So I wish you the best. I wish that you do great things in this life. And I'll see you next time. The past, the present, and the future.
you enjoy thinking about the future as much as we do, we invite you to join the HTF community. Simply go to hencethefuture.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, and add your email address next to the button that says, Enter the Void. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Hence the Future. And, most importantly, we encourage you to please rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. Our team reads and appreciates every single review. Thank you again for listening to today's episode and for staying curious, and we'll see you next week.